and welcome back to the What's Cooking podcast with me, Beth, and my co-host, Kat. We talk to food and drink entrepreneurs about their businesses, the journey so far, and what gets them out of bed in the morning. For this episode, we spoke to Danielle, founder of Quinola, who specialise in quinoa-based breakfast cereals, which are high in fibre and free from wheat, gluten, and refined sugar. I think what was really impressive about Danielle is how much and how far she's gotten with the business with by herself or with just one assistant. I couldn't quite believe how the scale that they're doing with yeah, just two people. I know and working as a model as yeah, well. Yeah, alongside working full time as a model, which must be a pretty exhausting job in itself. And then having to manage a business and production. Yeah, and it was really interesting to hear just how the beginning started and sort of the decisions she made quite early on, which has allowed her to coordinate the business from a laptop, essentially. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a very inspiring story, and we hope you enjoy. Yeah. Bye. Hi, Danielle. Hi. So, would you like to start by telling us about your first ever job? My first ever job? Um, I think my first ever job, other than babysitting, was working for like a wedding catering company in my little village where I grew up in Bath. Um, and it was just like this really beautiful place in the countryside, but it was um, it was like an old mill and it was amazing, but we based, I basically was on the catering team of that and I was just like waiting. Making food, I was like fourteen or fifteen, I think. <laughs> and then after that, I was I was working in a village pub as well. So it's always been kind of foodie, actually. When I think of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, oh, well, I was going to ask if you had experience of the food industry before starting mm. the company, but you obviously did. <laughs> um, and so then, what was your kind of first job? I suppose after school and. I don't know if you went to university, but you know, after yeah. sort of studying. Um, I didn't really have a very conventional route because I was scouted for modelling when I was about 15, 16. So I guess that was probably one of my first jobs too. But I went straight into full-time modelling when I left school. So I was 18 um, and I moved from Bath to London to do modelling full-time. Um, and I applied to uni to do creative advertising, but I deferred and kept deferring and just kind of got caught up in modelling and, and carried on. Um, so modelling was like my main thing really. I haven't been to uni. I, I studied diet and nutrition and um, biology like from home whilst I was modelling but I've not actually been to uni or anything. That must have felt like quite a jump to go to London. Like, yeah. Did you go by yourself? Yeah. I mean, and you don't I have that about it. university bubble yeah. which kind of like helps you and like you know puts you with people yeah like, how it was, was quite weird it was like at a time when all my friends were like spreading out as well to go to different unis and not many people were coming to London there was a few but um I moved yeah completely on my own and I moved into a flat with two girls I'd never met I'd met one of them for like a a lunch with one of my agents to kind of introduce us and then like literally a couple of weeks or months before we moved in they were like oh there's another girl that's gonna join you so now you need to find like a three bedroom um so we kind of yeah we were like now I think back I'm like 17 we were looking at flats to rent in London and I was 
I grew up in like a tiny little village in Bath. But my parents were, my, my sisters were all born in London. So I've been up and down, but not into the city, more like the south. So it was quite a jump. Um, and I think that's kind of what made me super interested in like living like well and healthy lifestyle because I was like, okay, I need to go food shopping for myself and I need to figure out what these ingredients mean and then I need to cook something. And obviously I'd done things like that for myself at home, but not so much like as my mum was around and she obviously was making all the, everything for me. But um, yeah, it was quite a big change. And I guess being in the modelling industry makes you think of that as well, because you want to, you want your skin to be really nice, and you're all conscious of your appearance and how like your lifestyle is affecting that. Mm, yeah, totally. Like that was definitely the thing that sort of started all my interest in this, because I used to eat a lot of crap when I was younger and growing up. I didn't think about it at all. And then as, I think when I was like 18, I was like, okay, I'll eat salad because I know that's healthy. But I wasn't really engaged with it or like why I was making, why I would make healthier decisions and how it actually worked in the body and made me feel it was more just like looks wise, like what was going to make me fit the bill for a model. Um, so yeah, it was hard. And it was kind of when I got into full-time modeling that I was, there wasn't like loads of pressure to be thin, but you have to kind of remain a certain size. Um, and so they don't really give you much advice. They just kind of tell you like, go to the gym and eat salad. And so I kind of felt like there must be more to it. And I just was asking loads of questions myself and researching online. And that's kind of where it kind of snowballed from there really. And at that point, cause now we obviously are living in a time where well-being is so prominent and everyone's so aware and concerned and there's so much information yeah. but then you probably had to dig quite deep to yeah. find the right information yeah totally um yeah there was nothing like nothing in stores which now I think has changed especially in like whole foods and plant organic they've got like signs up and like information and it's quite educating but um at the time I was just literally like googling stuff I was reading books and just kind of I guess that's why I had to study because I, I found an online course that I could do and I think I felt like that was all I could really trust I couldn't really rely on like magazines and everything and just industry knowledge which is not really ever usually that reliable um, but it was good because it made me really I think the most important thing for like having a, a healthy lifestyle is that engagement and actually like wanting to understand things and asking questions like biology and whatever around it like the science around it and and also not just how it makes you look but how it makes you feel and act and like your energy levels and your skin and everything like that so I think it's like that kind of made me begin to look at everything as more of a whole not just like the food I'm eating to look a certain way it's like actually I'm this, this body this thing but there's so much more to me and like everything is quite influenced by what you eat and and also how you think and feel about things as well. So it's no point getting like stressed out about eating really healthily because that doesn't really work either. It's not sustainable anyway, which I kind of discovered further down the line, not straight away. <laughs> but yeah. And is that how you found or started making quinoa granola? Yeah, so that kind of came from when I started researching all of these things, I was like, I need somewhere to sort of write them down so that I, I remember them for myself, but also it's like interesting. Um, so I started a Tumblr and it was just kind of more research based at the time. And then I kind of got into doing recipes and 
experimenting in the kitchen with like new ingredients and swapping old like not so healthy ingredients with better ingredients um and through that yeah I was basically just eating like I remember at that time I was thinking I was being really healthy and I was just eating salads with like no dressing it's totally boring and I was miserable and Jordan's granola and I was like it's great it's healthy it tastes amazing and I literally would have it for breakfast a snack when I got home from a shoot and then like after dinner or whatever like I, I ate loads of it and I was just like yeah it's fine it's so super healthy like hardly have to think about it it's just you know when you're like you know it's healthy so it's um but then I kind of figured out actually there's loads of sugar in it and uh, the gluten the gluten free thing was like coming up and my sister had an intolerance so I was kind of familiar with that already but I just kind of thought like okay it's not the gluten it's more like the processed food and and I just want to strip everything back and just eat really really natural really really whole food that hasn't got loads of ingredients and hasn't been really processed and so I needed something quick that I could have for breakfast um, before shoes that I didn't have to cook or that wasn't too filling. Like I felt always quite heavy in porridge before a shoot. Or... So I started experimenting with different things. I kind of went paleo for a while when I was getting into like health and fitness. Like, I was really getting into fitness, so I went paleo. And so I, I cut out oats and then I started working with like buckwheat and quinoa and to try and make this kind of breakfast the same kind of way you would make oat granola um, and then I think what started really was I made it in little pots with people's names on like you were saying um, and gave it to my flatmates at the time when they were going around shows at fashion week so they could take like a little pot and have something to eat on set and in shows and in castings um, and I think people must have just seen it backstage and they'd put it on Instagram, which wasn't even big at all then. Um, and through that, I think maybe I was putting it on Instagram and people just kind of started writing to me and saying, like, is this something you're making? Can I order some? And it started really authentically through, like, I would send them to my personal email address and tell, like, tell me what nuts you like, tell me what you don't like. I'd, like, make up flavours for them and then I'd put their names on it in this little pot because I didn't have packaging or anything. So, and then I'd post them in the post office and <laughs> then it kind of picked up, I guess. Um, I guess I, I guess Instagram did help, even though it wasn't massive then. And word of mouth probably too. And was there a moment where you kind of thought, okay, let's take this to the next level, mm. you know, What's it going to be called? How am I going to... Yeah, I don't know. I think at the time when I was doing my blog, I called it, like, quinola. Just kind of put quinoa and granola together. So I was like, yeah, this is just a recipe. And then I was like, actually, it's quite a good name. Makes sense. So I'm just going to call it that. And I'll... I think I started writing that, like, on the labels instead of people's names. Um, and then I think... I didn't really have, like, a moment. I think I was like, this is really fun. I can do this in my evenings and on weekends. Um... And then I was like, actually, there's such a demand for it. Um, I should probably look at maybe doing it more, um, looking at even stores or cafes. Um, and I needed to get like a proper kitchen where I could make it. So that was kind of a big step. I was like, I got my, I got, I tried to get my kitchen at home registered and it wasn't quite right because it was like an open plan living room kitchen area. So it, it, they wouldn't let me do it in my house. So then I was like having to look for a proper commercial kitchen. And it was like in the middle of nowhere in North Acton. And I was living in North, North East. Um, 
And so I was like, okay, this is quite a big decision, but if I'm going to be, I think, I think I'd had interest from Selfridges by then. And I was like, I need to make a lot of this stuff now. Um, so that's when I kind of took the jump into to getting a kitchen space. But I guess after my first stockist, which was the detox kitchen, it was still very new then. Like there wasn't proper packaging. It wasn't, there was only one flavor really. Um, and then as people were buying it and they were ordering it, I was like, this is cool. And she was like, you want to, you going to do new flavors? Can you do packaging? Like we kind of worked together in a way on like developing it. She gave me a lot of help. Um, and then through that self just kind of found out about it. And that's when I knew that I should probably <laughs> vamp up a bit. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the moment. Cool. I love how organic the... <laughs> Yeah, it just wasn't. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. Is it me? Go. Okay. <laughs> Where should we go from here? So um, we've got the idea. Okay. Product, you think? Yeah, kind of describe. Yeah. So at this point, would you mind telling us kind of a bit more about the product and what's in it? And yeah, so it's. A granola made with quinoa, and it's completely free of oats, which was kind of the USP. Like, I wouldn't have really set up a, a company making granola because there's so much out there. But I think for me, it was just like I want something really different. That's high in protein, high in fiber. It, it was quinoa was kind of a buzz word at the time, but it is a really, really nutritious seed, um, and it just worked really well in the recipe. When I was I was working with buckwheat, and I found that a bit too crunchy, and found um, popped quinoa and it was it's just really light and crispy and not too filling but really does fill you up like it keeps you going a lot so it's basically a combination of popped quinoa um coconut oil coconut sugar and then natural flavors so we'll have like cinnamon in one of them cacao in another beetroot in another which sounds weird but it's it's like my favorite um and then we do like a ginger and goji berry as well so kind of mix it all together and it's it coats the quinoa and it becomes this like really light crispy gently flavored and gently sweetened like granola and then you have it on either on yogurt or you can have it with like a milk but i think it's best on yogurt kind of as a as a granola basically and but you can use it on like smoothies porridge like as a topping as well topping on desserts like it's quite People kind of look at it and like, what is it? Like, do I just put it on top of my cereal? And I'm like, no, it is your cereal. <laughs> my dad puts it like on top of his Weetabix. So I'm like, oh, I don't really get it. <laughs> but it's it's still adding nutrients, which is so. I mean, I think it's really accessible and usable. However, people want to use it. It's not like you have to only eat quinoa granola because it's the healthiest option. Like. It just adds nutrients to things as well, which is quite, quite like And a nice, te- a completely different texture. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's quite a different texture to an mm. oat granola. Mm. It's Like you said, it's much lighter yeah. and crispier rather it's than kind of like Rice Krispies, but more But yeah, I've met people recently who are like throughout the kind of whole journey and they're like, I hate the granola that is like too sticky or it gets stuck in my teeth and mm. it's really crunchy. I quite like that about granola, but I know it's not healthy. It's kind of like a flapjack, like mm. crumbled up. <laughs> but it's nice to to hear from people like actually it's, it's kind of too much sometimes in the morning. It's kind of too chewy and sticky, and this really does. It tastes healthy, but it tastes amazing too. Like it's it's really just very natural and 
flavoursome because it doesn't have lots of preservatives in it and it's not that it's not artificial at all so it just has a lot of flavour just from only a few ingredients. Were you the first one doing quinoa granola like yeah. sort of in the UK? Yeah completely and I'm still yeah. to this day I think I mean no one's a few people have copied it but sort of small individuals that haven't really taken it very far I think they like the idea but it's actually really hard to do your own business <laughs> um, so there's been a couple um, but they're not I don't think they're going anymore and there's a few other brands that like include quinoa in mm. the muesli mm. or in whatever but it's all a mixture of oats as well or other grains and it might not be gluten-free and so for me it's like having quinoa is our, is our very unique selling point but as well as that we um happen to be vegan gluten-free sugar-free and just all natural so i feel like we we are kind of leading the way in that kind of area yeah from a, style. kind of what we were saying earlier from a very you started ages ago mm. you are definitely ahead of that sort of quinoa sort of trend but mm. now it's not even a trend is it it's just like a staple ingredient now yeah, yeah, it was new for sure a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, because when I was beginning, everyone was like, when it, I'd do trade shows or something, people would come back to me like, oh, I have this for dinner. And I'd be like, yeah, but not this kind. Like, this is <laughs> breakfast cereal. And she was like, yeah, you cook it with water. And I was like, yeah, it was so hard. And they were like, rice. And I was like, no, almost. But it was, it was such a weird concept for people to get their head around. And they were just coming, like, coming to terms with how to eat quinoa. And I was like, Using everyone with this like ready to eat <laughs> quinoa granola and, and also the fact that no one can really say quinoa properly like there was the quinoa and the quinoa, quinoa and then I come out with that. quinola and everyone's like super confused but <laughs> it's kind of fun <laughs> yeah so it was quite hard to like actually begin a friend of mine when I was starting out because you don't really like appreciate your achievements as you're like starting a business and one of them was like you know you've done like you've done such an amazing thing and not only have you like set up a business you've made something that didn't exist before and you're trying to tell people and teach people about it and that kind of was like a moment for me I was like that's so true actually it's not just like I'm trying to sell a loaf of bread which people eat every day it's like I'm actually trying to convince people how to live better as well and with this kind of completely new concept so that was quite a nice kind of moment for me to to be like kind of proud of myself I guess <laughs> yeah you should be definitely, definitely. having to educate people mm. at the same time as yeah. as you say convincing them that your product's the one for them mm. it's an extra element for sure yeah and I think a lot of a lot of food brands not so much wellness food brands but a lot of food brands they just kind of have an idea and they can see that it's a trend or they want to make money from it and it's very much business oriented and for me it was just so authentic and such passion and I was never really like pushing it on people I was never making people buy it I was never like don't eat Weetabix don't eat all the other crap like I was like this is just a healthier option and it works for me and I just want to give people options because especially in London there was the rise in like wellness studios like more yoga more spin like more all of this kind of happening at the same time so there was that demographic of people that really wanted something that they could eat easily and on the go that was super healthy, that they didn't have to think about with people in the city with so little time. So it just really catered for like those kind of people that I was meeting in the industry and, and modelling and stuff like that. So 
But then when you're trying to convince people at trade shows who come from like all corners of the city or the country, um, it is a different ball game. <laughs> but it's interesting. Yeah. And it's, that's what I was going to say, like, it was never really about making money for me. I mean, obviously, you need to mm. make profit to, to keep going. But I just kind of told you about it. And I was like, this is what it is. You should try it. I think you'd like it. And maybe just get a bag and have it every now and then. But it wasn't ever like, this will change your life. Like, this, <laughs> everyone needs this. Because I think, for me as well, I've learned a lot about, like, different cultures and from traveling, like... We can all be well with really simple things too. Like it doesn't take a lot. This is just a nice little, easy and accessible extra if you if you feel like it. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's how you, I kind of engage with people a bit more and like a brand level too. It wasn't so much like a big corporation trying to sell more stock. Yeah. It was just kind of like yeah. I, I feel like you. Nice yeah, I feel like you really gathered momentum mm. through Instagram and through because I'm guessing you didn't especially in the early days you didn't spend money on marketing and things yeah. it just kind of gathered this own sort of following yeah. yeah and we still haven't really spent a lot we have only really done like Instagram and Facebook advertising I've never spent money on marketing yeah it's obviously great but I think if people want to buy it they'll buy it and I don't I don't know I just I think it's an amazing thing but I I think there are different ways you can do it and we do events, we do podcasts, we do newsletters, we do blog posts um, and we get out and like meet people and we collaborate with other people who are like-minded brands who have like-minded clientele and then obviously Instagram is incredible so it's, we're super lucky to have that and I don't, I 100% probably wouldn't have ever been able to set a business without Instagram. I would never have thought about it. I didn't even think about it when I was growing up as an option. And I think without that kind of way to engage and connect to such a wide audience, that that converts to customers, not all the time, but like definitely in the beginning, it's really a very good way rather than just having to rely on like word of mouth and and then it's also been amazing to connect with brands. Like, I think my first dialogue with the Selfridges was over Instagram. And, and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Just Instagram messaged me. And it was like, before you even got notifications, so it was probably in my inbox for like a few weeks before I noticed. Um, but things like that I'm just super grateful for and I think it's brought brands together. It's brought everyone almost onto more of the same level where we can actually talk to people and collaborate rather than competing and just kind of like hustling super hard because I've heard so many stories and it has been hard getting stockists but of people trying to get in touch with buyers and and stuff like that but I think now having that kind of marketing element through Instagram means that if the marketing team can see potential they kind of help you a bit as well getting in getting in with the buyers and so for me that's yeah, it has completely changed the way people do business. And I think it makes setting up a business a lot, not easier, but slightly easier and less scary because I think you can see other people doing it too. And I think, yeah, I think it's really great. <laughs> it's quite a 
quite mad to think about it really. It's, mm, it really just is. happens to be an app that just happened to be really popular mm. and it has been so instrumental for so many people that we've talked to. Yeah. Yeah. I think on a business level they probably never thought people would use it. No. In a way. But But it like you said, it. it works so well for collaboration. It's so easy to mess with someone and in many ways you're more likely to get a response through Instagram than just cold emailing yeah, someone because exactly. you can see the connections that that person has and what sort of mutual yeah. friends or like followers, whatever it is that you have in common and you can just see what they're about through their pictures. Mm. Whereas an email is just, it doesn't give you much, does it? And, and you you've so got to just start, yeah. It's like a long message, it's not just like, I don't know. And I guess it's more personal with Instagram because it's on your phone, whereas emails feels a bit more yeah kind of separate yeah yeah and so once you started working with Selfridges mm-hmm. how did that because they were your first kind of I guess major yeah, stuff were, yeah. how did that change the business the production the way you had to manage it um so before we began with Selfridges I made sure that we had a kitchen space so I I got a kitchen space in Northampton um, and I was sharing it with a friend of a friend, which was quite nice. Um, but I would go, I would spend almost over an hour getting there, and then I'd be making so many batches of this granola by hand. I'd be, I'd be there till like 3 a.m. sometimes, like on my own, labeling bags and just doing whatever I needed to do. And then I think a photographer friend of mine who I'd met through kind of the wellness industry and modeling industry. He was like, um, do you, are you looking for anyone? Cause my friend just quit her job. And I was like, actually I need help. Like I really need help. <laughs> but I would, I'd never, I'd never even worked in like a proper organization that wasn't like a pub run, like working with the managers. Like it was, I'd never thought about like managing someone else or a team or anything like that. So I was like, oh, okay, I need someone, but I don't really know how to do this. So I met with um, Lucy, who was my first employee. Um, and it was great. I was like, yeah, cool. You should definitely like come and work for me. We can do like a couple of days a week, whatever. And then I just left it, didn't follow up email or anything. I was like 20 at this point, 21. And I was just like, okay, back to it, like head down. Got so much quinoa. To- to toast didn't even think about it and thank god she like follow up followed up with me and was like so it was really nice to meet you do you want to hire me and I was like yeah sure like come in like next week whatever like here's the address like great didn't just had didn't even have time to think about it it was full on and I remember she just turned up at the kitchen and I was like elbow deep in quinoa <laughs> like all these bowls mixing and and I, I was just like, she was like, what do you want me to do? Where should I start? And I was like, oh, um, I was just so stressed out. And I just remember this moment. She was like, okay, she just rolled up her arms. And then she was like, where's the recipe? Like, what do you want me to do? Should I just start a new batch? Like, blah, blah, blah. And she was just, she just started cooking with me. And I was like, cool, this is working. Like, I don't really have to tell you what to do because I don't really know what I needed to do. But she was just so intuitive and so, like, she was so good at, like, managing herself in that respect. And it kind of, I didn't really talk to her about the sort of role it would be it was just she kind of came on as like my my right hand lady and we were cooking together we were labeling together we were just doing whatever it took to to get the product on the shelves at Selfridges um but eventually that evolved so obviously we were working like that for a while she was helping me cook everything and then I think it was 
it was quite a bit after the start with Selfridges that we got a few other stockists like we, we went into Marigold which is a big health food distributor getting into plant organic and whole foods and I think it was just I mean I'd never even it sounds so naive but I never even had heard of like co-manufacturers or that people made things for other brands and like I don't think that is naive no how would you know I didn't know either what so some so I would have meetings with people from like I was actually really lucky to to connect with people who like the owners of Koyo and obviously had Lily from the Detox Kitchen. Um, there was Remy from Love Raw, those little bars. Mm-hmm. I think I just reached out to people and they were so kind to like go for coffee with me and just give me a, a few pieces of advice. I think one of them was like, "If you thought about manufacturing, I was like, no, what is that? Like writing things <laughs> down." They were like distributors. I was like, "What is that?" I, and then I was trying to explain it all to my dad, and he was like, "Oh, yeah, what's a distributor? Like, what's the difference? Why?" Like, and I was just. I just remember all this information and I just couldn't keep up but having people suggest things like manufacturing so finally like probably a year after I'd really heard about it I was like okay maybe I should look at getting a manufacturer how do I start like where do I begin who does this like they don't advertise that it's a thing that they do otherwise anyone would have an idea and go up to them and be like can you make this for me um so I think I just kind of found similar products and had to look into like whether or not they made things for other people but also just emailed them even if it didn't say that on their website because I think it's more of a collaboration almost with even with manufacturers if they want to work with you and if they can make money at the end of the day they'll they'll do it if they've got the production facilities and stuff so I kind of saw a few factories and then a friend of a friend put me in touch with hers which was really really lucky and that's who we who we still use so been working with them for probably two or three years and that was probably when it all changed for me really like we we didn't have to produce anymore and it was that must have been huge for you to stop doing that I don't know how I mean I just think now if I was to do something I'd be like okay cool like here's my idea here's the few steps I need to take I need to find a manufacturer I need to do this and I would never start off making it myself on my kitchen floor at home like (laughs) but I think I've learned so much that I needed that as well so it was it was such a journey but now that I know it's like there's a much easier way to do it (laughs) yeah but it's good to in a way to start well in a lot of ways to start there and to have done every job yourself and to really know the ins and outs of your recipes because you've made it a thousand Mm -hmm. times yourself Mm -hmm. and and you were reacting to the demand like if you started with an idea and you and you start getting it manufactured. There's a minimum run, right? Yeah. And it's probably what thousands. Yeah, like it's a lot of upfront. Yeah. Whereas you actually had these orders from Selfridges and other places, so you knew you you, you didn't have to take such well, a such a risk. monetary yeah. or sort of stop yeah. risk. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, I would never. I'd have to prove the, the concept before I'd try mm. anything in future. <laughs> which uh, obviously is quite a given but yeah I think it's at the end of the day it's got to be like a unique product that and that's what's worked for buyers as well for me as well I, I think if I'd gone to them with a, a normal oak granola they'd be like no like mm. we've got hundreds of these yeah but because it was so unique and I think that's why it hasn't been easy but it's looked easy I think it's been one thing after another selfages whole foods plant organic like it hasn't come easily but it has gone really well and it's gone in like a really good direction um and I think that's why it wasn't such a struggle to convince buyers 
So once you find the right person to talk to, they actually, they were just genuinely interested. They were like, okay, this is something different. We want it before anyone else has it. Mm. So that was, yeah. That would be my one piece of advice for anyone starting something is to start something that doesn't already exist. Which is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) When did you trademark, you trademarked the name, haven't you? Yeah. When did you do that? I think... That's a good question, actually. Probably in the, within the first or second year. Probably That's the first really year. So my dad is just very good at things like that. Like okay. he's he's a financial advisor, but he kind of helps people to invest like their in their pension and stuff like that. And it's not in the same way that I look at business and investment and stuff like that. And he's not familiar with business in the way I've been doing it because obviously I've been kind of guessing. But he knows like obviously a lot of legal things and. He knows about payroll and he's got me to do all of that when I first hired someone and pensions and um, contracts and then of course yeah he was he was helping me with IP and the, the trademarking and a few other people who like I said the people that helped me out in the beginning I kind of spoke to them about it and they were like this is really important you need to trademark the name because someone could copy you um, so I think that was quite early on and I was familiar with trademarks already so I was like yeah I need to do this but we were then having to trademark it in different countries because we had interest from so many different countries and he was like you know anyone could just do this in China or America and just use the name so yeah we kind of we trademarked it in quite a few countries to begin with which is such an upfront cost but you kind of have to be really safe I think when you've got such a good name, like that's a perfect name for the product. (laughs) It's like you have to do that. Especially, as you're saying, it's completely unique, it's new, and you don't want someone with more money and more investment to come along and like just take it. I'm really actually shocked that it hasn't happened because I've been thinking since we began like that Kellogg's or someone could do it (laughs) so much quicker and more efficiently than I could. But... I don't know, it's it's good so far. Also maybe it's the ingredient as well, because I was yeah. wondering, working with quinoa, like how do you how do you order tons of puff yeah. quinoa? It's crazy. <laughs> it is mental. Like and it, that is definitely the reason I think people haven't copied it so much is because it is an expensive thing to make and that's mm. what makes it quite a high end product. But yeah, when I started <laughs> So let's go right back to the beginning. When I was starting out, I was buying like 300 gram boxes of popped quinoa from Whole Foods, which is not economical at all. (laughs) And I'd like carry them back from Whole Foods to my house with like hundreds of bags. And yeah, so that was step one. And then I think I thought about um, buying in bulk. So I I started buying from a, a brand in Brighton, Infinity Foods. I think they did kind of bigger bags, but still not huge. And then I was, I just like, I think I just guess, guess I just researched things online. I found a supplier in Germany who popped quinoa that they sourced from Bolivia. So this is like way back when quinoa was hardly even available, and it was really expensive to buy in England. Um, so yeah, it was coming from Bolivia, being popped in Germany, and I was bringing it into England, which is so long and expensive as well, and just not environmentally very great either. So. That was probably for about a year or so. I was ordering like that, and I just didn't have time to just constantly be seeking new things and new uh, manufacturers and suppliers. I was like, this works, this is like something else I just don't have to think about now, it's done. So then I think I just got approached by a couple of 
farms actually in England who'd started to make it and can grow it here. And that was a big turning point because it meant I could work much more locally. Um, I could meet the suppliers and like know where the product was coming from. It was British, which people love, and less transport and a little bit cheaper too, which is great. So I think being aware that like you can always probably find new suppliers is something to be conscious of. Um, but yeah, buying in tons, I never thought I would be <laughs> doing, but then... Here you are. Oh. <laughs> so now is all the quinoa you use fresh air? Yeah. That's all amazing. Oh, yeah, it's really lovely, actually. It's amazing. There's one farm in Bath, actually. Oh, cool. Who reached out to me first, and we went and saw the farm, and they were growing it. Um, and then, obviously, they didn't pop it, but we found a, a facility that grew their own quinoa and also had the facility to pop it a lot. So there's a little bit of a lead time because it's not completely like it's not such a fast selling product but that's nice in a way there's less waste and yeah it's it's really good to have that connection where you can work together and, and only produce however much is necessary as well. I think that's a really nice element because I still assume so much quinoa comes from mm. Peru and Bolivia and those places and they obviously have heard loads in the press about why yeah. that's not maybe not such a good thing. Yeah. So I think that's really nice. Yeah, everyone would come um, up to me and again like trade shows you do meet they? the funniest people. Yeah. <laughs> they'd just be like, So how do you feel about the quinoa situation in Bolivia? And they'd like think they came up with this really like cutthroat question. They'd be like as if like you're doing something so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm just like a girl trying to make nice quinoa granola. But um yeah, at the time, everyone was, like, so on it when it was, like, in the news. And I was like, God, <clears throat> okay, I need to, like, rethink this and see that it's true. Obviously, that it was becoming quite a strain on the economy over there. So, yeah, it does make you think. And I'm glad those people came up and asked me that question because otherwise I'd probably be still getting it from there. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, when things started to get busier, how did you manage your modeling career and the business how did that all work for you um it just kind of had to kind of work as and when it could so I guess I had Lucy working with me and if I had to be away or go for shoots like she could usually hold the fort or in the beginning I would be sorry I'd be going into work and shooting and then I'd actually go to the kitchen at around seven or eight o'clock and make stuff like through the night and it was not my finest <laughs> moment like I'd be on the phone to my dad like crying like this is just so long I'm so tired like I've got so much to make I don't know how to label this box properly if I don't label it right then selfridges won't accept it and couriers and everything like that so I would yeah I would go in after work so hard because when you're that tired as well yeah. something like labeling which if you've had a good night's yeah. sleep and a proper you know a nice <laughs> it's breakfast easy. it's easy but after a day's work oh. and in the middle of the night those things just yeah. seem like the biggest yeah. obstacle in the middle of nowhere it was honestly this like industrial business park. i know what you mean it because i've been to that kind of dark kind of and gray in the middle of nowhere yeah. no one was around it was pretty scary was really yeah. Speedy, yeah. Really speedy. They'd, my parents would make me get like a taxi home which I think was before Uber, or maybe just as Uber was coming up. Um, and I was just like, yeah, this is really weird. I don't want this. This is not what I want to be doing. Um, 
but I guess, yeah, then eventually like, Lucy would help me out in the daytimes and I would just pick it up on my days off, on my weekends. I was just so committed. Um, and then modelling kind of had to take a bit of a backseat. I was more focused on the business and just less available for work. And so I kind of just accepted it and went with it. And I think because everything was going so well and it kind of worked together because I was still, people would be writing about the product and it would also be about me and about me being a model. So it was still kind of, I was relevant in the fashion industry, but just not really working as much. Um, And I think it's just been having like a really supportive agency that has been behind me and like allowing me to do my own thing as well. So it's worked well, but it's been less busy on the modeling side of things. 100% but now that it's kind of you know there's a lot less demanding day to day um I'm you know I find it quite easy to juggle both and I love doing both I've always been one of those people who can't really sit still and I love I hate doing the same thing every day I love being able to have the variety so it's a little bit more stressful and there's a lot to think about and a lot of people to be communicating with but I get to live like my dream life sometimes and get to do both the things I love and make them work together so perfect yeah and it kind of goes hand in hand because you eat well as a model and people are interested in what I'm doing with the business and also with my modeling career so yeah it works well but there's obviously a lot less time to model than I would like (laughs) but can you manage quite a lot of the business remotely would you be able to do it from a different country no I could yeah no I definitely could um I can just do a lot of it from my laptop wherever I am so it works well it's just if I'm on set like I remember at first I was I was traveling up to Liverpool for shoots a lot of the time and I'd be like doing emails in my lunch break and all the other models would be like come sit down come have some lunch and like let's chill and do like just carefree and I was just like oh I need to like organize this quinoa shipment from Bolivia and I'd be like what is she doing but it was it was fun it was like it's just what I've got to do I think also I met a few models or maybe it was just like a couple um who were doing their own thing as well like this was way back when frozen yogurt was like a major thing and one of my one of my friends who I was working at ASOS with was setting up a frozen yogurt place with her mum and I was like that's so cool like yeah why not that's great and she was doing that but still modeling every day and I was just like I want to do something else actually and I think I meet a lot of models who are like so lucky that you've got something else because sometimes you are just waiting for the next job or it's kind of mind-numbing you don't always have to be that alert or you can't always contribute creatively and so a lot of people I guess are just a bit like what am I going to do when this ends or is there anything I can do that's a bit more fulfilling and so I do feel really lucky that I can do both and I'd be interested to know about your branding because I feel like you've always had a really sleek aesthetic. Have, have you? Did you develop the branding and the yeah. stickers and the packaging? Yeah, yeah. So that's really cool, though. Yeah. I was saying to Kat earlier, people spend tens of thousands oh of pounds God, on branding yeah. and packaging, yeah. and your stuff is sitting along theirs in Selfridges. Yeah, which is. Most of the time, people are like yours just looks so much nicer. It's so chic and classy. It's clean but, and it's just—it's mm. fresh. Yeah, it's, the colors are really nice. Yeah, I think it's good because it is—it is how I would like it to look. But then it's also not so good because, from a consumer point of view and from a sales team in a supermarket, they're like, "Well, it needs to be brighter. It needs to be more shouty because that is what's more engaging." So 
it there's it's pros and cons, but I think in like Whole Foods and the more niche brands, um, it kind of sits really well. And yeah, so I started with the name Kinola, and then I just kind of I think I did it on Word. I had two different fonts, so the Q was one font and the Nola was another font, and one was like a bigger size so that it like fitted nicely. And I just I think I just literally drew a circle around it and used to I sent it to like printed.com or something like that <laughs> and then they did my first labels which were like just just said quinola didn't really say flavor didn't say anything about it like king marconola or anything so that was how it started and then my sister's a graphic designer luckily so further down the line she kind of helped me with some some font and another friend of mine um she's also a graphic designer so I kind of worked with them a little bit on like just curving a sentence around the circle and things that I just couldn't do um and then we started off yeah with these labels we had sheets and sheets of labels and we'd hand label everything front front and back on the pots and then we eventually got pouches um and I had to do like a proper back label with lots of information and nutritionals um and so that took so much time in itself just labeling like hundreds of bags a day um so then eventually we decided to get printed pouches which is just something i just never had the time to think about because you had to redo the artwork and send it over and format and make sure it was going to be perfect and they don't do samples and you're buying like fifteen thousand up front they don't do samples they don't do samples i mean some places might but the people i've been working with they don't they can't really print a sample because it's because they have to set, set it, up. it up, yeah, yeah. And they have to set up the plates and the printing and everything mm. like that. So that moment when you opened the first oh. order, were you like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first one was fine. I think there's been a time when the colour's not been quite right when I switched suppliers, and that was depressing. So I was like, it's only like the colour of one of the labels, but I was like, it just doesn't look great, mm. and I can't afford to throw this away. I'm not going to do it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that went from I was buying printer patches from China and now I get them locally um, but I think finding the pouches so I went to the Selfridges meeting with my dad and we only had these little pots at the time which we were doing in detox kitchen and they were like single servings um, and I actually went in there with like a bigger tub and a little sticker on the top that said canola and I was like yeah so this is maybe like how we're gonna do it in a bigger tub and she was like okay cool and I was like yeah well maybe we'll do it in a pouch like we had a, I had a few pictures on my phone I was showing her literally like not really sure how we're gonna brand it yet but this is the idea and that moment was that she actually just obviously completely believed in it she was like oh we'll just go away do the packaging send me ideas if you want we can I can give you tips or whatever and like input but um just go away and do whatever and then come back when you're ready so I just I'm so embarrassed that I went in there with that pot I can see it now and I was just like <laughs> can't believe they believed in the product really but um then the pouches I wanted I think I just googled stuff and I found a really nice design with like the long window and I couldn't find it on any packaging websites um but they were they're traditionally like tea leaf pouches so that's why I found these suppliers in China and so I was like, cool, this must be like the only place I can get them. So I just shipped them over from China. Um, and then eventually I think I found that you can like custom design windows and like pretty much do whatever you want if you find a good supplier. <laughs> so that cut out a lot of stress. Um, so yeah, pin- printed pouches. What would you say your greatest achievement within Cunolo has been? 
Ooh, it's been a lot. I guess every new stockist is like a little mini achievement for me. Um, Selfridges was definitely the, the first major thing. It's just amazing. It's like the leading food hall in the world. Like it's just amazing, really. Um, so that definitely, and I think then press has been really incredible for me. Like being in French Vogue and like just working with amazing brands and publications to like not just promote the product but um, talk about well-being as well so all of those are kind of like little achievements really and just finally really quickly where can people find you um so they can find me at on instagram at d copperman or at kinoli uk if they want to follow the serial journey um and i've also got a website where i still write about well-being um called it's just www.daniellecopperman.co.uk or .com i think .com <laughs> um and also they can read my book which is called well-being which is out um on amazon and in major bookstores now so yeah, definitely check that out. <laughs> and where can people buy your granola? Selfridges, Ocado, uh, Whole Foods, all the health food stop, shops. Really. And is it, it's stocked on your website as well? Yeah, and yeah. it's on the Kinola website, which is www.kinola.co.uk. Amazing. Thank Great. you so Thanks much. Thanks Thank you so much for listening. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. You can find us on Instagram at the What's Cooking Podcast or on Twitter at What's Cooking Pod. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.